Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out your wings and slither in place because this is Snakebird. Hey, welcome listeners to another episode of the Snakebird Podcast. Today we're addressing a topic that in one way or another will certainly affect every person in their lifetime and their spiritual journey, and that topic is doubt, or more specifically, seasons of doubt. Yeah, this is such an important topic because whether you're mature in the faith or not, everybody struggles with seasons of doubt, and doubt can come in many different forms too. But whatever the form of doubt may be, Um, We should know that there are good and bad ways to deal with it, and that's what this episode is going to be addressing. Yeah, and I think as we approach the topic, to make sure that we're all talking about the same thing, I think we should define doubt. So uh, a simple definition that I found is to lack confidence or to consider unlikely. Yeah, I mean, it, it's that not like it. <laughs> it's not the most deep word. I mean, I found it interesting that the 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 original root Latin word is dubious, which, you know, we know some dubious characters, which yeah. I mean, I guess we're, we're saying we can't trust them. And, yeah, you know, and we all go through, I, I believe, seasons of doubt. Yeah. I know I have. And I want to ask you this question right off the top, because uh, I think a lot of our listeners would ask this. Is doubting a sin? Is doubting a sin? Yeah, I can see why that question would be asked. Um, I kind of look at it like um, amongst us guys out there, you know, if you were to see a pretty girl, um, you, you glance by her and, and you look away, but then there's that that urge to look back and to dwell mm. uh, like David did with Bathsheba. I kind of look at it like that. Doubt, it enters all of our minds. And you might call it critical thinking, which is not a bad thing. No. But once that leads into an area of, um, how would you put it, Josh? Leaning into that doubt, I think I heard you say before. Yeah, yeah. once you press into it Mm -hmm. where it becomes full-on disbelief, whereas like continuing to look at a pretty woman beyond just a glance is considered lust, Mm -hmm. I think that's when it becomes sin. Yeah, and that might not have been the best example to bring up because, I mean, ignoring doubt's not a good thing either. No. It should be addressed. But there's a good and bad way to approach it. It's not a sin for it to come into your mind, though. Yeah, I think it is a seedling to full-on disbelief, and we need to address it, and we need to... In a in a sense of critical thinking, find out why we're having that, and then uh, confront it full on. Yeah. And I will um, note that there were multiple Bible characters who had doubt, and we'll probably address a few of them. But right off the top of my head, I think of Peter. And um, Peter got out of the boat, which was a huge step of faith, and so he's walking on water. And then, of course, he starts to notice what's around him. He takes his eyes off Jesus, and God says, "Why did you doubt?" Mm-hmm. And then you even have like Thomas, who's, I mean, after all the things that he could have been nicknamed, he got nicknamed Doubting Thomas. Yeah. And he's like, I won't believe unless I see him. And one of the things that I guess gives me hope is that Jesus never like full on reprimanded them. He never was like, that's it. I'm done with you. He really always just tried to to lead them into belief or to lead them to grow their faith. Yeah. So, well, and I guess that's a good point too with Peter because I guess there would be a difference between 
um, doubt in something that you've never approached before or something that you've already gotten an answer to and then you doubt it after you've gotten that answer. Mm. You know, because like Peter was already walking on the water mm-hmm. and then he started to doubt. Yeah. So, yeah, there's almost levels of, uh, yeah, that you could go into with that. So. For sure. Well, okay. So we're talking about doubt. We're talking about seasons of doubt. And I know that... Um, as we kind of observe this, we need to talk about areas of doubt that we've observed in people. So what are some of the areas of doubt that you've seen? Well, I found uh, an interesting article and the number one uh, that I think is most common among people that might have really shallow faith or that don't even, uh, or don't know if they want to believe in God is, is God even real? Like Mm -hmm. total doubt. Um, this, this article I found by Barna, it says that 65% of Christians doubt their belief. And in response to that doubt, 45% of those who doubt quit going to church or gathering with other believers. Um, 29% quit reading their Bible and praying. It's like this domino effect of what happens when they don't address the doubt. Mm. And now get this, the study found that over half of those who spent time asking honest questions about their doubts came out of the experience with a stronger faith than before. Wow. And only 18% actually reached out to their church leaders. Oh, wow. 40% reached out to friends and family. So that that's revealing. Uh, friends and family, be ready for your family members that might come to you because they're going to come to you before the church leaders, according to this study. But I think the takeaway point from that study would be if you spend time asking honest questions about your doubts and not ignoring it, then you're going to come out with a stronger faith. But if you ignore it and let it, you know, stagnate, it's going to get bad. Fester. Yeah, fester. That's a better way to put it. And so I, that's the number one doubt that I see is total doubt. Is God even real? It, am I? Is my faith in what I believe, is this even real? You know, and I think that if you ask those questions and you approach it honestly, it's going to actually strengthen your faith. Well, that makes me think of like, we talked uh, just a few episodes ago about Satan's biggest lies. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I think that he wants to do is cast doubt. I mean, that was his original strategy with Eve was he was casting doubt on what God had said. So there is a lot of that where if he can uh, keep you in the darkness or keep you from searching for the light, he will. He'll allow that to fester or he'll push you into that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that that's a big one. And um, diving a little deeper, um, a big, big doubt that I have seen, and I have personally struggled with this one for um, many years in the past, would be salvation doubt. Wow. Am I saved? Because there's um, there's a lot of lies out there that can get you to doubt that. The longer Satan can keep you occupied with a fear of lost salvation, the more time he can keep you away from spreading the gospel or even being a happy and effective Christian. Um, He wants you to be miserable and not knowing if you're saved will make you miserable. Mm. I mean, because that's like the most important thing ever. You can't do anything else if you're not sure if you're saved. It steals your effectiveness. Yeah. And you know, the number one thing that I've heard from a lot of people who are questioning, questioning their salvation is that they feel they've committed the unforgivable sin. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have heard this called the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And perhaps in another podcast, we can go into the details of establishing what that is. But for the purpose of this subject, doubt I would say we should focus on why you have not committed that sin. Um, 
to make a long topic short, if you still have breath in your lungs, then you can turn to God. That's right. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is a lifelong rejection of God's truth all the way to the grave. Completely turning away. Yeah, exactly. And so if you're if you're struggling with, am I saved? I, I've committed the unforgivable sin. You, no. Yeah, that's the beauty of it is if you're asking yourself that, then yeah. there's still hope. Exactly. Then there's not that yeah. that total rejection of what God has for you. You yeah. haven't completely seared your soul yet. And if you want further clarification on that, uh, reach out to us. But that's that's well established in Scripture, I believe. Um, some verses that I, I found that I really pray strengthen your foundation and faith. First uh, John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I mean, that says it right there. If we confess, he is faithful and righteous to cleanse us. So if you got breath in your lungs, there you go. There you go. Yeah. And again, this is a deeper issue, but a lot of people think that their salvation is based on their actions, whereas it's based on the promise that God gave. Exactly. And he's the one who carries it. And you know, that topic, it's, you've heard us talk a little bit about it in other episodes and you're going to hear us keep talking about it because it's a, it it constantly surfaces. Yeah. Watch for the one that comes soon that will say, can I lose my salvation? Exactly. Yeah. That will be a big one. That will be the can of worms of which that topic rests. (laughs) Yeah. Um, um, another uh, verse that I'd like to, to share is John 10, um, 27 through 30. It says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, mm. and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I am the good shepherd. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean we God has us secure. So if you're if you're struggling with that, um it's a good thing you're asking the question because it means you're doing a heart check. Yeah. But don't don't let Satan lie to you and um and, and take you to a place that you're not at. No, it's that is a dangerous dangerous path to walk. Mm-hmm. And it's very um it's not walking in victory, it's walking in doubt. It's walking in shadow and darkness and sadness even because mm-hmm. that's not the way God would want you to to have that wishy-washy I've had a good day so I'm saved and I've had a bad day so I'm not. Yeah, it's not a I'm in the circle out of the circle type of thing. Mm-mm. Um, one, one more verse, uh, scripture would be Hebrews ten twenty two. I would like to share it. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith mm. with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Yeah. So I just, if you're, if you're struggling with that, um, know that the scripture says that you, you're in the clear as long as you, I mean, are sincere and you're seeking, that's a good thing that you're, you're doing a heart check. But, you know, many times Satan will get us to doubt our salvation by accusing us after we've sinned in some way. You know, mm-hmm. we'll do something and we know it's wrong. I mean, it's not like, hey, I'm saved, you know, cheap grace type of deal. We, we know it's wrong and our conscience is already eating at us because yeah. we've grieved the Holy Spirit, you know, in some cases. And Satan, he'll domino effect that like crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and that can lead you down this road to, oh, man, am I even saved? Yeah. You get into the book of Hebrews or First Peter, and you're like, oh, I just read this scripture in <laughs> yeah. my word. There are some scary verses out there. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, you know, the, that's why the Bible does tell us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. 
But it's it's just doing that heart check of saying, yeah. hey, am I walking with God? Is he really evident? Yeah. Um, I found this in Ephesians 1. It's uh, 13 and 14. Yeah. It says, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Oh, I love that. That's a great scripture. Because it's, it's, to me, it's signed, sealed, delivered. He, uh-huh. he licked the stamp and he says, I paid for it, you yeah. know. And remember, you know, Satan, he accuses constantly, whether whether we're saved or not. He's sitting there accusing us. Oh, yeah. But, you know, in Romans 3, it tells us that God put forward as a propitiation by his blood, Jesus. He's talking about that word propitiation is we are um, accepted now. Jesus is that bridge. And no matter how much that Satan accuses us, Jesus is there saying, no, he's like him in the courtroom. He said, no, that one's covered. Mm-hmm. I know he sinned. I covered, my blood covered that. Sin. Propitiation, atonement. Yes. Covering. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It, so, I mean, if we're trying to boil it down so we can understand, because it's, yeah. it's a cool word. It, it is. Yeah, it is. So, but it, the whole idea is that Jesus is there vouching for us before God. Yeah. I, I love that courtroom where it's like, you know, we have to say guilty. Yeah. And, and then you realize, yeah, I, I'm sure you've heard this where, Jesus is the lawyer mm-hmm. and God says, well, okay, he's guilty. Yeah. And then he says, it's going to be a million dollars. And then Jesus not only is our lawyer, but then he takes and he goes, I'm going to pay it too. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh my gosh, not only am I not guilty because of that, but then he's, you know, yeah, it's just, it's fantastic. The whole concept is just, yeah. he's there on our behalf before yeah. God, the judge, no matter how much Satan's accusing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's great. We would have been guilty, but he paid yeah. for that. So don't, don't doubt your salvation. No. If, if you have, if you have given your life to God and you, you've got that marked on the calendar, it was a changing point in your life. You, you might be going for a season through a season, but don't let Satan take you to a place that you're not at. Absolutely. He's going to lie. Mm-hmm. That's all he does. Yeah. So that's salvation doubt. And uh, another another one that I saw was, I would just call it life doubt, mm. um, general doubt. Will God come through for me, basically? And this, man, this one could branch. Yeah, this one I think is going to be like the largest section of our conversation because mm-hmm. there are so many ways that this applies to people, especially in this day and age. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, this type of doubt seems to me almost to be like a gateway doubt, like Mm. a gateway drug. Mm. Um, it leads to bigger doubt. It's Mm. like all the small things that add up that we don't, that we don't trust on. Um, Jesus kind of refers to this type of doubt in Matthew six, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. He's basically saying, you know, they don't worry about all these little things because God, at the end of the day, has it covered. Mm-hmm. But if you let it add up, I mean, that it can lead to bigger doubt. Mm. You talk about people that are going through, we, we keep saying this word, and it seems like a very Christianese word, but it's true, seasons. Yeah. Seasons where maybe God's hand doesn't seem as evident on your lives. Or maybe seasons where we talk about, uh, again, Christianese wilderness, where you just feel dry. Yeah, that's true. Um, that You know, 
that almost enters into a, a darker form of doubt, you might say. You can't exactly put your finger on exactly what's off, but it's, the, you know, the old-time um, uh, preachers might call it melancholy or something. Mm. It's just this this darkness of, you can't put your finger on it, but you're almost depressed. Mm-hmm. Things aren't, uh, our passion seems to be gone. We feel like we're separated from God. We haven't felt His presence in a really long time. Um, I like to... I like to look at at examples in nature because, you know, Jesus often pointed to like farming examples. And when we look at an established fruit tree, it's obvious. It's got it's got clear fruit on it, branches full of green leaves. But when we start to approach, you know, the winter season, that starts to decline. Mm -hmm. Leaves start to fall off. The fruit fades. And that tree, it looks completely dead. But the truth is that tree is undergoing something Mm -hmm. very important. If it's going to be fruitful again, it must first die. And you, maybe not even die, but you could look at it like a detox Mm -hmm. almost. But it has to happen in order order for it to bear fruit again, even better fruit. Uh, The whole muscles must be torn for them to grow type of concept. And real quick, I'd like to point out too that a lot of times our doubt can be fed in this area, because we see fake fruit on dead trees, let me let me explain that. Yeah. So, say you you getting on Facebook and Instagram, and you see these picture perfect presentations of mm. people's lives, and it's just so perfect. Every they got the white picket fence, two and a half kids. However, that happens, <laughs> and you know everything is just perfect, and you you say like, wow goodness, my life doesn't look like that. I don't have my ducks in a row like that. And the truth of the matter is, if you were to examine that fruit, you'd find it's plastic. You can find, you know, people have those bowls on the table. It's like, where did you get strawberries in the dead of winter? You know, yeah. well, they're plastic. No, I, but, and that might be a shallow example, but I think a lot of times looking at these picture perfect presentations on social media can feed our doubt. Mm. Be like, why am I not there? The truth of the matter is we all go through these seasons where we are we don't have fruit on our branches, but they are in the works internally. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we found that studies are showing that social media actually causes depression in people yeah. because you're comparing your life to what people put out there, and it's not real. Mm-hmm. It's exactly. not real at all. Um, I think of David because he wrote Psalm 1, which is one of my favorites. And in Psalm 1, 3, it talks about the happy is the man who doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. He meditates on the word day and night. And then in in verse 3, he said, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. Mm. So there's a time for fruit. And then there's a time where it doesn't. Yeah. produce fruit. This is a quote I found. There are no barren trees in God's orchard, yet though they have their fits of barrenness as an apple tree sometimes has, they will reflourish with abundance. Oh, what a great, what a great thing. Yeah. Cause I mean, you can look back on in the past and be like, man, I had such big fruit then. Yeah. And you feel like you don't have any, but it's in the works. Mm-hmm. And, and while it may seem like like um, the dead of winter, the unseen truth is that summer is around the corner and God is in it. And, and you don't know what 
is happening to your core, your yeah. to, to quote Nacho Libre, your nu- <laughs> your nucleus. Um, you know, you don't know what's happening on the inside as you're as you're enduring. Yeah, that's yeah, that is very true. And you know, I also think about the times of silence that God allowed in in the lives of so mm-hmm. many in the Bible. Um, Job, mm-hmm. Abraham, Joseph. You know, they were in prison. They were wandering in the wilderness on the way to some promise. And they they went a long time, many times, without hearing from God. Mm -hmm. And we have to understand that these things, they take the natural process of time. But God is there with us the whole time. I I think of this word, um, what is it, dokimas? It's approved or tested. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a word in the in, that we find in the New Testament. It means tested or approved. And the idea that is that you've been tested through the fire and found approved. It's like a metal. But it, it's speaking of time in that word, too, because it, you have to go through a process mm-hmm. of that. And, and you've got to be faithful through it. And there's nothing fake on it. Yeah, exactly. Because they were checking to see uh, the... The coins that were dokimas, they were checking to make sure they weren't filled with wood or, or trash or anything or, that would... Yeah, plastic fruit on a branch. Mm-hmm. Exactly. This whole thing. Yeah. This whole concept. So it's... There's, you know, time waiting. The, uh, the anticipation, it stinks. Yeah. But it's something we have to go through. So advice for someone that's going through that type of doubt... To me, it's found in Psalm one three, or yeah, Psalm one three. It's stay planted, mm-hmm. grow where God has planted you. Because if you meditate on the on the word of the Lord, if you're if you're relying on Psalm one as an example, you need to be planted by the rivers of water, which means have that inflow of God's word, have that inflow of people speaking into your lives. Yeah. Because even David said in his doubt, in his discouragement in Psalm 42, five, he said, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my savior and my God. Oh yeah. You know, a lot of times we can we can micromanage our own life to a point that we leave no room for God to show us the direction He's mm-hmm. chosen for us. And it's important. Sometimes, I, I love the Scripture that says, be still and know that I'm God, because mm-hmm. it's that type of Scripture we need in those times where we're just, we've been planted somewhere. We, do, we can't seem to see light at the end of the tunnel, but we know the person that's in charge does see it. And putting our faith in that is so important. Yeah, and if you're going through a season of doubt or or darkness or wilderness, know that fruit is coming. Yeah, that's true. The more we put our faith in God, um, that he's got the whole situation under control, the easier times of doubt will be. You know, as we talk about seasons of doubt, I think there's another thing that we have to be careful of, um, of not only just enduring it, but also like Abraham or like Jeremiah or even like Elijah, we can't let our fear or emotions or circumstances control us. What do you think about that? I think it's right on because a lot of times our emotions will send us into impulsive decisions, um, going and doing things that weren't a part of the plan. You, you know, you get into God's permissive will versus well, his perfect will. Think about Abraham. Yeah, exactly. He said, I need to help God. Yeah. 
I I need to be a daddy. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to find me someone that will have this baby. Exactly. And I, I wasn't supposed to happen. No, next thing you know, you have Ishmael, mm-hmm. who is, it's just such a sad story because yeah. you knew Isaac was coming to a degree, Yeah. but you, you stepped outside of what God had. And I love how even Ishmael was blessed by God. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. God, he, I love, even when we are not faithful, he is faithful. Mm -hmm. And and that is what God is. So there's times, yeah, it can lead to impulsiveness. Yeah. And just, again, Satan wants us to listen to our emotions and not what God says. And, you know, we have to be careful about everybody that's saying, listen to your heart. Yeah. No, don't listen. Your heart's going to give you bad advice at times. When he's calling to you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I had to. I love that song. I do too, actually. Um, <laughs> what a ballad. Yeah. But I think of even Elijah. Elijah, he had this tremendous victory on Mount Carmel where all of a sudden all these prophets of uh, Ashtoreth and Baal, he takes them down and he takes down, you know, um, just what... God had done through fire falling and cleaning the altar. And, and then all of a sudden Jezebel says, I'm going to kill him. And he freaks out. Mm -hmm. And that was virtually one of the last things that he did in his ministry because fear crept in. Yeah. And that was, that was wild too, because Mm -hmm. I mean, to take into account all that happened there and then he got scared away by a girl, you know, I mean, <laughs> to, to, to make it slightly comical, but really, yeah. I mean, when you look at the con, the, the, what he ran from, it, it's like, why, why? Yeah. That's what doubt can do. It can turn something so small into a major problem. It compounds. Yeah. Like exponentially, if you're not careful. Yeah. There is a percentage of people who say that worrying actually makes things worse. Yeah. There's studies that have been done. I I don't know the exact numbers, but God says even in his word, what are you going to add to your life by worry? Exactly. By doubt, by anxiety. It's it's all tied together. Yeah. So true. So, okay. For me, there's some practical advice. So the first one to me was get get or stay planted Mm -hmm. because we need to have those rivers of living water flowing into us and then not to let our emotions or our circumstances or our fears control us because our emotions can lie, whereas facts don't. Mm -hmm. And um, the more we base our foundation on facts from the Lord, facts from the word, we're not going to be wavered. And then the last thing is just keep going or stay faithful. Yeah. Um, I found this in first Corinthians, uh, 15, 58. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Mm. And there's a lot of people that feel like, well, I've been trying and I keep just not finding answers or not finding the light at the end of the tunnel. What is going to come from this? Yeah. And the, the obvious answer is so much. Yeah. God, God has a, God has it so much for you. And, and there is that feeling like, I don't know when I'm going to feel that relief when I'm going to feel like I'm out of the woods. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah, and we by nature, we want things fixed now. Mm. I mean, we really do as people. We don't like waiting. We don't like um, patience, you know. I've heard people say, don't pray for patience because you never know what you're going to get. Mm, but, you're going to you know, get punished. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, it's we want things fixed now. And, and I wish there was a five-step process that you could just plug in this little formula but the truth of the matter is we're all wired uniquely by our creator and the paths that he has us on they take different different forms and we have to we have to trust him in it yeah and i heard this quote and i i know it can be a little crass but it says if you ever find yourself going through hell just keep going and and hell yeah. not in terms of what the bible describes as the place of torment but I would say more hard times. If you ever find yourself going through the hardest of times, just keep going, keep enduring, keep sowing because what you sow, you're going to reap. And so if you're sowing seeds of doubt and seeds of discouragement, Mm -hmm. seeds of leaning into your emotions, then those are going to produce those kinds of plants or fruit. But if you sow, Hey, God is in my life. You know, David says, even though I'm discouraged, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to seek him daily. Those things are going to reap into your heart. Yeah. The worst thing you can do is just sit still and sulk and and disconnect. That's the worst thing you can do. You have to move forward in faith. And a lot of times that's hard because we want, we by nature want to be in control in those areas where we feel like we're in the middle of the woods and we're lost and we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's hard to do that, but that's, that's the best thing that we can do because like that study said, um, the 65% who doubted the ones who ignored it, they ended up, they ended up completely leaving their faith. Mm. Um, Well, that's what you just said. I think one of the key things is that the remedy to doubt is faith. Yeah. And we know that Romans tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I think of that dad in Mark chapter nine, who had the demon possessed son that would just somehow overcome his son and try to drown him or try to throw him into the fire. And he's asking God to cast that demon out and Jesus says, all things are possible to those who believe. And remember what the dad says? He says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help me with my unbelief. And see, that's doing something. He's saying, I I can't make it. You're going to have to help me. That's that's reaching out. That's part of keeping on going. Mm -hmm. David, I keep mentioning David, but I mean, we're both songwriters. And so I think we keep going back to the Psalms. David says in Psalm 94, 17 through 19, unless the Lord had helped me, I would have soon settled in the silence of the grave. I cried out, I am slipping. There's your, there's your him doing something. Mm -hmm. He says, but your unfailing love, O Lord, supported me. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. You know, one of the easiest ways to fight doubt is to remember what he's done for us. I love um, Ebenezer stones. Do you know what I'm, do you know what those are? I've heard that that phrase. What is that term? So it's from the, you know, of course we talk about it in um, Come Thou Found of Every Blessing. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Uh-huh. So um, as the children of Israel would travel through, they would build altars. Um, or some people even called them Ebenezer stones. And it was milestones or markers of things that God had done in their lives. Mm. 
And so, you know, one of my encouragements to people has always been set milestones and memories and markers in your lives of monuments that God has done. Yeah. You know, the, the day that you got saved or you accepted Jesus into your heart or the day that you got baptized, yeah. the first time you prayed in public. Um, yeah, that's a good point because it's, while it's not, you know, healthy a lot to dwell on the past for many different reasons, it is so important to look back to see how God has come through for you. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. Satan wants to cloud your past. Oh, yeah. You know, and not remind you of God's faithfulness. Yeah. That's that's funny. I, I have an Ebenezer Stone, Josh. I have a whiskey bottle in the cabinet. Oh, wow. I Yeah, I used to be an alcoholic, and I have kept that in the cabinet all of these years. And when I see it, I remember. Because back in the day, if I had seen that thing, I would have drank it. And I keep it there, so it reminds me. So, yeah, that's a great point. That's cool. Yeah. You know, James uh, 1.6 says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. I think we go back to the beginning there where we talk about the person who leans into doubt. Mm -hmm. I think that's who James is speaking of, is that person who's given fully into their doubt, and it's now driven them into unbelief. Yeah. They're, that they're just all over the map. Um, one of my favorite pastors says that that's a person who says that they've changed and then runs back. It's it's the wishy-washy person because he calls it, he said, it's like you vacillate, um, which he loves the English language. So he was talking about um, for the example he gave was a sprinkler system. Okay. You know, and it goes, and it works its way forward. And all of a sudden it's doing well. But then it vacillates and it goes, comes right back. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm going to do well. I'm going okay. I'm yeah. Everything's fine. I'm trusting. And then just, and it's a double-minded man. Yeah. You know, somebody who's doubting, somebody who's leaning into that disbelief and who isn't walking. So it would be, that would be, would you say someone who's taking one step forward and two steps back? Yeah. I mean, someone who's not yeah. remembering God's faithfulness, yeah. who's um, double-minded. It's, On a it's, regular basis. Yes. So let me ask you this. What what do we do? Because we have, I've, I've run into people and I used to think, well, they just don't have enough faith. But I, the more I see it, I struggle with this idea of brothers and sisters who have, I don't know if you would label it under like the secular word of anxiety or whatever it may be, but they constantly are struggling with this, this idea of doubt. Hmm. It, it's something that they're struggling with and they're miserable because they deal with it so much. How would we approach a brother or sister that they just struggle with that? It's it's their sin that they are dealing with, that they're trying to yeah. overcome. Well, there's a verse that I found that I think is so interesting. It's from Jude. Uh, of course, there's only one chapter. Or there's only just the chapter of Jude. So Jude 1. Yeah, Jude 1, <laughs> uh, verse 22. And it says, And on some have compassion who are doubting or whose faith is wavering. And I think we just have to walk in wisdom of of saying, Hey, is this their battle that they're fighting? Or is this something that... God is working on them in their lives. And the biggest thing that we can do as believers is just encourage. Yeah. And, you know, I think if we can instill, hey, feed on God's faithfulness, remember what he's done, and then say, keep going. Don't let, 
your past define you. Don't let your emotions control you and stay planted, which means have a plan. Yeah. Because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that say, um, I'm not healthy, but then you look at their diet and they don't eat the right things at all any day. And yeah. so you're like, well, that's because you're not having a healthy intake. And it's the same thing can be said for spiritual stuff. If you don't have a healthy intake of God's word, or like a discipline of that, then I think that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. I guess it, it kind of reminds me of what Paul tells us in Romans 14, that people's consciences differ from one another. Mm. Like some were trying to say, you only worship on this day. Some were mm. still trying to kind of have this idea of what meats you couldn't eat and all of that. And so we've got to be, I guess we got to be mindful of the... I hate to say the the step of the ladder that they're on, mm. but it, it, it's a maturity thing. And we've got to be merciful and recognize that they're God's servant, not ours. Mm-hmm. And we have to help them along as brothers and sisters and not judge them, but do the fruit inspecting thing. Yeah. And, and don't be God's sheep. And, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. So. And yeah. but don't cast your pearls before swine. I mean, yeah, there it's snake bird. It really it's <laughs> it's all about being a snake bird because it takes a ton of discernment. Yeah, and we always want to err on the side of grace, and we always want to err on the side of hey, I'm going to help a brother along. Yeah, even if it costs me something, because that's that's you, and you know why? Because in hindsight, think of what we were mm-hmm. whenever he brought us to where we're at now. Yeah. It's the least we can do. Yeah. So. And it's hard because in the moment you always are like, oh my gosh, here we go again. Yeah. But then years down the road where they now have had these disciplines or now they've come out of this, it's such a different thing. The mystery of the body of Christ. Right? Yeah. You know, I know you're a guitar player and and I've played guitar for a while. Do you remember when you learned something and you you felt like you learned it to that point where nothing else was going to come and you felt like you plateaued. Oh yeah. And then all of a sudden something would be introduced to you or you'd, you know, maybe find another song online. In scale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, and then all of a sudden you just went oh, yeah. and you, you came up a whole other level and then, yeah. then you felt like you plateaued again. Yeah. I'm at and one then, of those plateaus right now. Me too. <laughs> with the guitar. <laughs> me too. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I yeah. am too. Well, here's the thing. I believe that that happens to us even in our faith where we feel like, oh my gosh, I'm just on this level and I'm never going to grow again. We just, we have that feeling. And yet when we're past it, all of a sudden we don't even realize that where we came from. And, and we look back and we see that that's just how we grow. Yeah. And we look back and we go, oh, okay. And the wilderness, they're hard, but you, you grow in those things and you grow in the difficulty. Yeah. That's a really good example. Um, for musicians, for sure. You yeah. look back, uh, you know, well, it was silly that I had trouble transitioning from a G to a C. <laughs> and now you're, you're doing bigger things. Yeah. But, but to look back on the whole thing and see the progression that God caused. Yeah, that's, that's so important. And so if, if you're walking through seasons of doubt or wilderness or um, even not bearing fruit, don't be discouraged. Just keep pressing on, keep moving forward. And then if you're walking with someone who you would consider maybe a less mature brother or sister that is going through the same thing, don't diss on them. Don't yeah. be hard on them. Uh, lovingly come alongside them and, and work with them. Yeah. Encourage them. 
because you know tomorrow you'll be going through yours mm-hmm. and we need each other as iron sharpens iron in the body of Christ to to further the kingdom of God and that's how it's done it's side by side and don't be afraid to confront doubt yeah don't let it fester yeah absolutely because it's just going to breed more doubt summer is around the corner so if you're in a winter you feel like there's no fruit on your branches know that it's internal it's in the works and God has your back through this, and you're going to come out on the other end just fine. And trees produce fruit. Yeah. And God says, you're a tree. Yeah. There's nothing you have to do. You you don't have to force fruit to come. That's true. I've heard a pastor say that before. Trees don't sit there and try to push fruit out. Nope. That would be weird. It's natural. That's right. <laughs> It happens. It's a natural byproduct of being a fruit tree, especially one that is healthy. So we focus on a healthy intake and it's going to result in a healthy crop, yeah. a crop of, of the fruit of the spirit, a crop of um, witnessing to others, a crop of living uh, a righteous life, it, being an example for your coworkers or your family and not Behavior modification, by all means, that's another uh, topic that we're going to have to cover, but it's going to result in um, faith yeah. beyond, beyond measure, not doubt. Be still and know he's God. It might not look like things are moving forward, but yeah, it is. Things are moving forward. That's our encouragement to you today. We know that it's, it's dark out there and there are seasons of doubt that we go through, all of us. Mm-hmm. And to deny that would be denying um, that we walk with Jesus and that there's hard times. And so we want to walk alongside you in this. And if you need encouragement, we want to connect with you. The only way that we can do that right now is if you reach out to us. And so we encourage you, send us a message on Facebook. Connect with us through our website, through email. Our email is connect at beasnakebird.com. Yeah, and by all means, if this um, topic has benefited you, chances are it's going to benefit someone you know too. So please um, share us with your friends and family on social media, whatever platform you're on, um, so that we can uh, be healthy and be snakebirds. That would be fantastic, yeah. Snakebirds out there, always remember whatever you do, or wherever you go, no matter what life throws at you, there's never been a better time to follow the words of Jesus. And be a a snakebird. snakebird.